0: All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called e-mission. And e-mission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit TechnipFMC.com.
1: Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the
0: Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen.
1: Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melker, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for oil and gas upstream research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from DOE about a year ago and founded a small consultancy and became a podcast host. Before I introduce our guest, I want to thank Technip FMC for sponsoring this broadcast. And I want to ask you to do me a big favor by answering a one-question survey. It takes about 10 seconds, and the link is in the show notes below. In return, we will happily send you some stickers for your laptop or your hard hat or your kids. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, James Liu, founder and managing director for Drill Ryzen. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Good morning, Elena. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: Thank you for joining us. Yeah, James Liu is the founder and managing director for Drill Ryzen. He has over 25 years experience in the oil and gas industry, with 12 years specializing in extended reach and complex wells. He earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemical Engineering at Trinity University and a Master of Science degree in Environmental Engineering at the University of Houston. He is highly experienced in the various directional drilling segments, including MWD, LWD, DD, and drilling optimization. He's been involved in various aspects of extended reach and complex well engineering, including solving design issues and conducting feasibility studies for wells that just 10 years ago were not drillable. In his free time, he enjoys hanging out with his family, hiking, movies, traveling, and meeting new people. Well, James, we're so glad to meet you today here. Thanks so much for being on the show.
0: Oh, that was very nice. Thank you, Elena.
1: Absolutely. So James, tell us about Drill Ryzen and your segue from chemical engineering to environmental engineering to oil and gas. T- tell us about Drill Ryzen.
0: Sure, um Drill Horizon was founded about ten years ago it was uh, it was initially a holding company for uh, people who are interested in kind of changing the drilling industry and we we started and it was it was a holding point for us to really uh have a place to work through and you know kind of be introduced to uh, the drill industry, especially the operating companies, and over the years there 's been uh, a bit of a stop and go. you know various people come and go, and when we work, a lot of times we become part of the company 's processes, especially the big companies and we would be there like like in house lawyers we 'll be there for a, a long period of time for a number of years and Drill Risen was in a back burner as we become. Uh, consulting engineers for, for hire if you will and what happened is over the last three years there was a big shift in the industry as you know with COVID um, with the oil prices going all the way down to minus $38 a barrel I don't even know how to process that but it was an interesting time great opportunity it was a horrible time. actually it was a horrible time no doubt I, like I said I thought if, got, if I could buy a couple of barrels they would pay me $38 and I would put it in my backyard and I would sell it when it goes back to the positive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, I, it just, it, it obviously, you know, it's the hedge. And Drill Horizon came back and there was a need for a shift in, a, in the drilling in the upstream business. Uh, people wanted to see uh, better efficiency, they wanted to see emerging technology, they wanted to see how we would do more work remotely. And how that would be better than being, you know, and and as we've done work, you know, offshore, onshore, and uh, remote places all over the world, you know, we we've been getting better at the remote technology sector, and it's something I've worked on for years. And all of a sudden, it become it became front and center. And Joel Horizon was uh, was kind of uh, uh, back to where we are, and the DNA was always. How can we change the industry instead of just providing a service? So that's what we wanted to do is through engineering, is through technology and the experiences that we have.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. So um, oil and gas changing the drilling industry give me a give me a feel for what specifically I mean drilling is a big arena you know we, we say drilling but it means a lot of things so what aspect of drilling are you really focused on you know in terms of changing or what do you what are you referring to when you say changing the drilling industry
0: well that's a that's an excellent question so you know it, the when we speak drilling, we think it's where the drill bits meet the dirt, where we remove piece of it at a time and we, we dig a hole, if you will. And that's not that far from what we want to get better at, but there's certainly a lot of work that goes into it. Everything from the geological placement, the geomechanics of the um of the rock that we're we're trying to remove, and of course all the pressure and then you know the safety aspect, right? We we know what uh, the disastrous events that could happen if we if we're not prepared, and finally, you know how to produce the hydrocarbons that we were after. And in the meantime, you know learn more about um, uh, the the Earth as a whole. You know um, it's not just the hydrocarbons. I've worked with paleontologists that were on location, and they're carefully looking through everything that came back. That's miles and miles away from where we are to just, you know, I just see the excitement on their face when when they're looking for um, evidence of history that was millions of years old. And also, you know, I've worked with, um, you know, uh, people who are, have, form a project that really, uh, its they they called it, it's a Moho project, they call it the study of origin of life. And it's a project where they, it had nothing to do with oil and gas, and they wanted to drill through the crust of the earth to the mental and just to have a better understanding of what it is that, you know, support us. So it, drilling isn't just about oil and gas, even though it's what has... Um, driven the drilling technology and the history of it.
1: Absolutely! Wow that that's really um, that's really interesting. Um, in your introduction, I talked about MWD, LWD, and L and DD um, as part of drilling optim- optimization. Um, share with some of our non subject matter experts what those differences are and the progression, and you know why drilling why we care about the, those um, capabilities in drilling
0: well it, drilling drilling is a um, drilling is an interesting field you know um, for one it's been described as driving from the back of the bus because you cannot see ahead of you you can only see what you've done once you've drilled through the, geo- the uh, geological sector so you know the technology has gotten better with the seismic with uh, all the sensors that we have with the sonic uh, but really the holy grail is to see ahead of where you're drilling otherwise everything is fairly approximated now if you're in a, if you're in a field where you've done a lot of drilling in then the understanding of it is better um, but for most part it's still it's still um a bit of guessing and anticipating when it comes to drilling so there's uh, for years and years there's been a lot of what I call pseudoscience or, or experience if you will that drilling is up to the people who's done a lot of drilling and and we really want to change that but back to your question sorry back to your question MWD stands for measurements while drilling and that's uh, sensors that is placed in the drill string, where it takes measurements that put you in the right place. The geological measurements that, uh, and then the um, the sensors that measure the formation itself, and and that's logging while drilling. So um, the MWD takes surveys, um, uh, puts you in the right place, and then the LWD takes measurements of the formation that. Under, that helps us to understand what it is that we've now drilled through and what what the uh, formation contains if you will and then finally directional drilling the directional driller uh, are people who can combine all the information that not only place you in the right place but maybe make all the changes necessary and place you optimally in where you want to go because again a lot of times in the drill, drill, directional drilling world, we have an X. We have a target that marks the spot, but that target was always approximated. And as we're drilling, that target can change. So uh, we want to drill more geologically than geometrically. And, and that's, that's a shift that's kind of getting to where we are, but it is a shift that had to take place.
1: Yeah, it had to take place, um, especially in unconventionals, because in order to connect with uh, so much of the reservoir um, and make it easier for the oil to find the well, um, you really need to penetrate specifically, and of course, we, when we draw geologic uh, formations on paper, we kind of use straight lines, but but nature isn't like that. The geology is not like that. It's convoluted and crazy, and you just sort of have to follow the trend, if you will, to try to stay in the sweet spot. Now, you don't want to do that, but definitely you want to have uh, as much contact with the sweet spot of the reservoir as possible so that your, your hydraulic fracturing will be be um most effective and of course that's hard to do because once the well is placed it's placed it's there whatever whatever you got you got and you have to do the the best with it so so it it was necessary for unconventional development shale development but i would have to say that maybe there's some applications in uh conventional applications i i have this theory that we'd i would like for us to go back to the future if you will we developed lots of new technologies for unconventionals because we had to. Um, technologies that we've never applied to unconventional, I mean, to conventionals. Did I say that correctly? Developed for unconventional. Then I'm going to go back to the future and try, try it on conventional reservoirs because even in conventional reservoir development, we only get about a third of the oil uh, that's there gas is a little easier and a lot better but it's not 100 it's not even 90 percent. so being able to place or identify what's going on in a conventional reservoir to maximize ultimate recovery and then that creates void space for storage for carbon storage as a solution. So, so anyway, I'm sorry. This is your interview, not my. Interview. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and it's, <laughs> that's
0: a, that's an excellent point. You know, we 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 say it's unconventional, but the the development has been so huge. I would say there's probably more drilling, especially on U.S. land, that's now unconventional than say it's the conventional where where it's older, where we try to hit a reservoir instead of. Making the entire field our reservoir, so it's really unconventional. Still, the right name for it, since we're doing way more of that now. Yeah, yeah. And and um, it, it is. There's been you know people move fast, um, and there's been technology developed, but um, there's more things that we do need to do for unconventional play versus conventional. And the things we learn can certainly apply. Um, how to, for example, how to stay in the zone, how to get further out, how to Maximize our billboard placements. Uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things that that we've developed. So that that's a that's an excellent point. Um, and, and and it shouldn't. When it comes to pure drilling, now the the difference, the main difference, obviously, is in production. But when it comes to pure drilling, the science doesn't change. We still need to understand the stress of the earth and. How to uh, make the entire drilling process safer and more productive more optimized uh, so the, the drilling science applies to most of your drilling, whether it's horizontal whether it's slanted uh, the science is the science doesn't change, but the application does so it, it so that's that's a good point, and i try I try not to say well. You know, if you've been in this world, it is it, you do have to recognize the application, but you don't have to change the way you think about drilling. Um, you know, the the safety, the engineering, it, it 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 works. It works for for both.
1: Absolutely, and I I love drilling. I just love it. I'm not a drilling engineer. I never was <laughs> one, um, and I'm not sure if I would want to be one. But the point is, is I love drilling because that's the point where Our engineered systems intersect natural systems. And, of course, that's part of upstream. I mean, that's fundamental to upstream. We wouldn't have upstream. We wouldn't have oil and gas if we didn't have technologies that would be able to intersect the natural systems and try to control them or try to um, manipulate them or try to... be in harmony with them such that we can recover the oil and gas. And I learned very long ago that only the BitFi is the oil. So not being able to um, know where you are and not being able to control. I mean, there's no way that we're ever going to be able to optimize, or I should say um, uh, recover uh, all that's possible of the oil and gas that's there. And in some cases continues to, to generate. Um, we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, unless we have the technologies that help us uh, deal with that torturous path that the oil uh, oil must flow through. And so we've got some technologies like um, hydraulic fracturing. Um, but also, as you said, we can't see ahead of the bit, and that's where we need to be in order to optimize um, you know, production, which is the whole point of being there. I mean, energy, oil, and gas is fundamental to energy security, national security, economic security. I mean, we have to have it, and we're going to be there for some time. So so your degree is in, your master's degree is in environmental engineering. You're in oil and gas. You obviously uh, love the drilling side of it, too. Talk to us about, you know, your in how your environmental uh, science comes into play in your work here um, at Drill Rising.
0: Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I... It, I, I I, it almost seems a bit hypocritical, but I, it's, it's not. It's not, or at least in, deep in my heart, I believe it's not. When I mentioned earlier that we wanted to change an industry, um, it, we, we really do want to change industry, right? And that started with my educational background. So I, I went back to school. Um, I worked for a year. Uh, after getting my chemical engineering, and I actually worked downstream in a chemical plant, and it was, uh, it, it, it was fun, but I, I didn't want to just work my way up. I wanted to bring more impact, and what I thought is the quickest way is to, to go back and get more education, and then bring that back to the industry. So um, I went back, and I looked around, and I decided on environmental engineering. And it was only because, you know, I do love, I'm an outdoors guy. Uh, then, and we talked a little bit about that earlier. I'm an outdoors guy. I love hiking. I love camping. I go out and just spend seven, ten days in, 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 with a backpack. So, it, you know, it, 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 is, uh, it, it is a passion of mine that I, I, I'd like, to, I like to keep our environment um, welcoming for us to enjoy and you know uh, there's been a lot of recently there's been a lot of um, attack of oil and gas especially from let's say the the climate activists and I, I just feel like they've they're uh, they're looking at it all wrong it's not about the climate it's about the environment and if we if we look at pollution instead of co2 it's just easier to quantify and we can all get behind that right if if you are behind an eighteen-wheeler that's just blowing black smoke, that's got to affect you somehow, and and we see it, we feel it, and we say, "Hey, get a better engine, make your you know go back and get your emissions tested," you know, we won't stand for that, and and that's not a that's not a political issue, you know, I you don't want to see garbage coming down the river, so these are things we can get behind on, and and we should, so um, and responsibly. We have gotten cleaner, right? We started with burning wood, then we burned coal. Um, Texas still burns a lot of coal, which is a cheap source of energy, but we are moving away from that. We're we're going to hydrocarbon and then uh, from oil to natural gas. And natural gas, you know, T. Boone Pickens was, was lobbying forever uh, before he passed, but it, it is true that natural gas burns cleaner. And we have an abundance of it. So politics got in the way of that a little bit. But then we need to look at nuclear. We need to look at hydrogen. And and it's technology and, you know, uh, a good-sounding engineering that's going to make the impact. You know, telling people to change their ways of living. Um, energy equals standards of living. And people shouldn't decrease their standards of living. And now, if you look at the second and third world country, they're just trying to feed themselves. You definitely cannot tell them to not go after energy. So it is a way of life, and if we understand that, we can then work together. So it, it, it's a passionate of mine to be better at what we are doing on the drilling side, on the production side, as an environmental engineer and as a, a, a petroleum engineer, if you will, a drilling engineer, that... I absolutely think we should have good harmony between the two and not be at odds. And, and it, kind of, it kind of hurts me that we're not even talking about the relevant things that's going to make the impact, you know? So, um, I, I'm, I may be going on a tangent, but you know, over COVID, um, people had to stay home. You know, we, the energy production shut down, nobody was driving, nobody was flying. And, you know, and that wasn't sustainable and people were kind of miserable, but it did, it was an opportunity for companies to go, hey, what is the emerging technology that we can, um, let's take a step back and what we can use. So there are companies that are asking now, how can we do more work remotely? And those are good questions. Um, I, 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 unfortunately, it wasn't uh, it wasn't accompanied with a lot of investment because the companies were having a hard time. They were asking these questions without putting forth the resources. But it's there. They're asking companies to do it. If we can provide better resources of getting better production, doing more doing more work remotely, and being more responsible with it, you know, and and that's that's where we need to be. Uh, I've known. A company in Australia that spent a billion dollars trying to make this well work, and a year and a half later, they they never could drill it. And it it I mean, I was calling them. I said, "Please let us let us help you." Um, they they didn't you know, and, and they didn't want to help and and they you know come to find out a year and a half later they they've wasted up to a billion dollars so it wasn't just you know the money that wasted obviously but it's what we could have done with that money right um and of course they never had the production and god knows you know how much of the equipment moving around how much transportation costs and and, and that's that's what i want to reduce i want us to be much better at things so that the resources that goes into extracting the oil becomes less. And now the impact on the environment becomes less, and we become more efficient with what we do. And, and I work at it every day. I work with technology. I work with software. I work with hardware. And I love it. You know, I, like you said, um, drilling is, to a lot of people, a bit of a black box. You know, People who's done drilling a long time are usually our worst enemy. Because they rely on you know people with 40 years experience and, and and they've done great work. They've done great work, but it's it's hard for a lot of those people to change. Um, and, and drilling relies on you know because you know we're trying to hit a target that may be five to ten miles away without knowing everything that's between us and the reservoir. And what could harm us? What could make the project unsuccessful? So now five to ten miles away, and and we don't we're blind uh, as we're drilling. You know there, there, we might know there's a fault coming if we've been here before, but if there's a pressure gas, we might know. And the sensors are getting better. where we're detecting hundreds of feet, so you know we're doing better job of deconvoluting the information that's coming in, or what they call inversion. But at the end of the day. If some guy says, hey, I've done this before, man, he's got the biggest voice on the rig, but people don't really ask him how it was done, how the planning was done, what the physics was behind it for what he's done. Um, and 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 if we come around and say, okay, well, yes, you've done that before, but that was a 25 chance of success rate. Let's do a 75 chance. It, it's hard for that to come across. So, so we're fighting it. you know it's um, it, it people people do want that, but at the same time, when an important twenty million dollar project is on the line, you do want people who's done this before versus people who want to make the changes so when we talk about making changes, when we talk about optimization um, it's it sounds good, and when it comes to optimization, what Happens is they go excellent. I want to do the same amount of work but get more results. That's not the best way to optimize. Actually, um, to best optimize from engineering and technology perspective is to change your input. Generally, the same input gives you the same results. We can probably get you a little better results, but if we can change the input, that's when the game changes. But changing the inputs from the people who's done, who's putting the same amount of work, from uh, who's using the same amount of resources. If we say, uh, give me ten percent more for another fifty percent, it it's it's it it becomes a political um, question, not an engineering question. So we're trying to be mindful, and it's it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot for the industry. You know, I've worked with some brilliant engineers. And obviously, it's it's a it's a constant battle. We keep having to prove it, but um, you know, it, it, it comes back to engineering. It comes back. You know, I don't I don't think I don't think the background in environmental really hurts me. I think it helps, and it really allows me to come in and and, and look things a little differently, and still answer the same questions. Let me bring it back to you, Elena.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> like. absolutely. No, I mean, wow. I'm I'm just processing everything that you said. You, um, yeah, you are passionate about this. Uh, I have so many questions in my brain. Well, one question has to do with: Do you you don't actually develop new technology? Are you saying that you take the latest and greatest technology and try to integrate it into something to give us more insight? Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yes. Yes. Well. Because of my background, you know, I've been in a, I've been in oil gas for a few decades now, and I've come to know some of the players, and you know, when I get a chance to meet them, you know, I, um, I want to offer my services. So for the people who are in the programming, uh, people who are in the hardware development, you know, I try to talk to them about. I understand that you're getting a lot of, uh, you're getting a lot of inputs as to which direction you think this should go. And I want you to kind of make all that a little quieter and really focus on what actually will bring the most impact. So um, I've worked with uh, drilling contractors on, um, and I've worked with uh, software developers on various uh, tools, if you will, to to bring back into the industry um, to help them. To help us do a better job of, uh, you know, understand drilling, and you know, and and every day, I mean, it's an exciting time, right? Every day there's more. Uh, sometimes there's too much, you know. Obviously, the latest and the greatest is all these AI tools that's coming on board, and everybody's really excited. And AI has got this amazing capability of just absorbing a lot of information and then sift through and try to give you the best application for your use. But in our industry, um, it's almost a little scary where they said, okay, if we do all this data, what they call big data analysis, you know, and we can understand what worked the best. And, and, and then there's a group of us that will say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Data is great, but you really got to go back to the engineering and the physics, um, do projection, do model, do deterministic work, and not probabilistic work like... You know, hey, if for the last hundred years, if we done it this way, it always yielded the best results. Okay, but for the next ten years, we really want to be twice as good as what we've been at the best results, and we really should just understand why, what, why that works versus what's worked the best. So there's a two different approach, and some of this big data analysis take away from the engineering instead of helping us. Not saying that the big data analysis may open our eyes to to things, but uh, I think it's making people a little lazier on the engineering side, and and that concerns us.
1: So the notion of being able to um, control where you want to go is a function of really understanding where you are and what you've got to work with, as opposed to just saying, "If I just turn left, I will hit my the city. I will hit the city." You really need to know what road you're on. You need to know where the gas stations are along the way. You need to know where the stop signs are. You need to know if, you know, there's bridges or turnoffs or whatever. You need to really understand where you are in order to understand where you're going. It's not just uh, sort of uh, open-ended directional. Uh, If I mean, you would never drive that way, right? (laughs) So we were saying driving blind. That's the
0: that's the very example that we use on the on the directional drilling planning. Um, So I I don't know who you've been talking to. Elena seems like I talk
1: to everybody. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: No, that's that's excellent. And not only that. So if I was to drive your house, I wouldn't find your house as forty five degrees through northeast from me and just try to go that direction. I wanna know what the the super highway is between yours and mine. And I might that might take me in the opposite direction for five minutes, but then I can get on the highway and then stay on the highway for the longest time before I turn off to get to your house. And that's very much how we want to approach directional drilling and forever and ever you know if we look at a reservoir um people want to draw a straight line to the reservoir and now we say okay we understand and and, and wouldn't you know a lot of times that that happens to be around 45 degrees let's just say 45 55 35 and that's actually the worst way to drill you never want to stay at 45 degrees it's the it's the hardest on your torque it's the slowest even though it's the shortest path, it's actually not the quickest. And so what you want to do is drill, for example, in a direction that's the safest, find a layer of rock that's your super highway, stay in that rock as long as you can, and then make the changes to hit your reservoir. And and that's that's, that is, But that involves getting... So the drillers don't like to talk to geologists. They just don't speak the same language. And so you have to get your geological people, your geomechanics, geophysics. And then they say, okay, which, what is the safest route to take? Or what is the fastest route to take? Where is my superhighway? And let's stay in that lane for as long as we can. And that's your safest. Not only is that your safest, and it's your fastest, and, and it's the simple, it's simply just draw your line a little differently, is now, you know, your, your, your best course to optimize, before we even start looking at technology, right? So, you know, a, a lot of companies will go to a directional drilling company and say, hey, I want you to help me with the well plan. Well, the rational companies aren't really talking to their geomechanics people, so the rational company will say, okay, in order for our tools, to get there, uh, we just need to make sure we don't build a curve that's too big. We don't, you know, have too many tortuous paths. And you know, this is probably the best way to get there. And then they'll take that and give it to the geomechanics people and say, will this work? When the, the flow should be the other way around. The flow should be, let's go to the geomechanics and geological people and say, how should I drill this well? They'll have great insights. They don't understand the engineering aspect, but that's okay. They'll have great insights on the safest and the fastest way to get there. Then we take the engineers and say, okay, make this happen given the constraints. And, and I think just at that little bit of change, which, you know, um, and, and Elena and I didn't kind of uh, – we didn't start this conversation this way, but it's a perfect lead-in. So it's looking at a map. To understand how you need to drive there, and the uh, the drilling industry aren't looking at maps that well. So, so we go back to engineering, we go back to then technology, and finally we go back to uh, the experience that you've had with it. and And I think a lot of that is uh, has been flipped for for a very long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to, just to be fair, you know, I've been in the business for 40 years plus and I started boots in the field in Bakersfield and I was a reservoir. Uh, I started as a production engineer and then I was a reservoir engineer and that's the classic conversation to try to facilitate a dialogue between the drilling engineer and the geologist (laughs) on the team. (laughs) And oh my God, it's because their, their perspective, their point of view and their sense of time is so different. Geologists thinking, you know, Billions of years, and uh, and drilling engineers think in rig time, and so the the reality is that it's it is hard for them too. But that's where the that's where the success path is, is to the extent that drillers can think like geologists, and geologists can think like drilling engineers, and kind of optimize that. I want to say relationship because it's about in the moment conversation dialogue and what what do you know and what are we now learning and what do, what's my next move all while you're drilling right that that would be sure. very very difficult so so no I've thought about the I told you I love drilling um, and as a reservoir engineer uh, uh, increasing ultimate recovery is kind of what the goal is maximizing. Um, that return, and so uh, thinking through the reservoir, not as a geologist and not as a drilling engineer, but as an engineer, you've got a you've got a goal, you've got a target, you have an opportunity, you have a resources resource. How do you maximize that? And it's not a straight path, and, and we don't know everything. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't need anybody else, right? I mean, everybody could just pick up a drill a, a drilling rig and, and start drilling. So that's the classic um, the classic challenge, and. Uh, and why we and why we have research, and so the notion of uh, wanting to make changes and advances uh, using new technology, um, changing the way that we approach things. That's why it's so hard to change because there are so many moving parts. All the moving parts have to come together, and. We don't all speak the same language, uh, even even though we are in the oil and gas um, sector. Even if we're on the E and P side, uh, together. So um, that you know, that's the classic. But but that's articulating what the challenge is. And the more ta- the more we we raise it, we air it, the we advance a little bit uh, uh, more in our prospect in our perspective and um, how we think about things. And um, you know, uh, all of the conferences that we have in the oil and gas sector, you know conference season is starting up now and so uh those help us have dialogue across i don't want to say barriers but across lanes uh so that we can have greater insights um uh, about what we do and how we do it so wow you got me going here James i really no, that's, that's love this, yeah. this conversation but unfortunately we're getting to the end of our time we're gonna have to bring you back but if you um, had a magic wand and you could uh, make some changes as you've as you've alluded to maybe in the research arena or in how we how we do things um, you know what might be your your I don't want to say advice but kind of like insights and maybe advice on you know what we could all do from our respective perspectives to kind of optimize the whole system, because again, only the bit finds oil. We can model all we want, but until we actually get into that phase of drilling, which is why I love drilling, you, you really don't know if you're going to get there. So what might be some things you would share with all of us in the, you know, in the petroleum sector um, about what we could do, I don't know, think about doing better? Uh, in the sense of our, moving forward
0: oh that's a big question um, uh, you know it, it just I it, myself included I, I I love to learn I, I love to um, I love changes and I think changes may be the hardest um, for our industry and and, and it's it's not, it's not particularly, I think, you know, there's so much at stake, right? Like you said earlier, we, we are Rick time. There's a lot of cost. There's a lot of people depending on it. And, you know, typically what works is, is what we, a is what we want to know. And B is what we want to do. And it's, you know, and, and, in in in, in the industry, you know, they're, they're, um, um, the, the people with the boots on the ground, uh, they they don't get a lot of time and maybe uh, not a lot of efforts given to them to empower them to implement changes. So you know, there's a you know there there's a general notion that if we uh, if we give them better procedure, then they can follow it better. But uh, what we want to do is give them better knowledge and then get out of their way. And, and that's really hard. You know. And so uh, procedures um, is a way of saying, I don't really trust you to do things on your own. I want you to do things a certain way. And, and if we give them the knowledge... Uh, because you know drilling is such a complex dynamic process Um, you know certainly you know there's so much at stake you know with the safety with the money with the downtime and and it's really hard to implement changes so you know uh, my my plea not really advice is to uh, actually try to implement changes the way we try to implement safety you know let's let You know, the safety is really ingrained. I think we've done a terrific job. You know, every, every rig I step foot on, you know, they, they, they have a safety culture uh, twice a day. They, they want to take a moment for safety, but um, it, it, they don't really talk about changes because it's, it's really fairly discouraged. You know, first, we get new people. We need them to learn the process before they can change. So, and now there's sort of a, 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 cha- a change of the guards that's going on as well. So, it's a good time for changes, but it's also a dangerous time for changes when you don't have, you know, a lot of safety, a lot of, you know, um, you know the, the old guards that's making sure things are done efficiently, at least as before, before we can make it better. Um, you know, industry is, is facing a lot of challenges. So I, I hope we don't we don't um, put changes in the back burner and just say let's just go back to what we can do. But let's always ask what can we do better today.
1: Yeah, you know, by yeah.
0: implementing changes.
1: Yeah, Th- yeah. And that's where I'm at. Experience. There's no replacing experience. On the other hand, you don't want to be stale. You want to continue to learn and advance and and um, absorb the new uh, the innovations within the context of your experience to really bring forth a, a change, a change in evolution. Well, James Liu of Drill Rise, and thanks so much for being our guest today and for sharing your contributions with, about uh, drilling and, and upstream.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I, I had a great time, and I, I'm really, really uh, happy to to be talking with you, to know that This is what you're doing and bringing other guests on. I I think you've done a terrific job, and and I look forward to visiting with you again real soon, I hope.
1: Oh, James, absolutely. We will have you back. And everyone, thank thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Please give us a review and tell us what you like and we'd like to hear about on future podcasts. This is Elena Melkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time.
0: Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.